welcome everybody to yet another edition of After Further Review with Mark Ferrer and John Pelkey. Jeff Taylor on the board as usual. This is our draft edition, the first show, Mark Ferreira, where we have actually had a live sporting event that is, what, 30 hours away that we can talk about. That's very exciting. It is. It's very exciting. It's very noteworthy. And to celebrate the noteworthiness of today, we have uh, we've stepped it up a bit, John Pelkey. Now, now when I say we've stepped it up a bit, it has nothing to do with you and I, of course. No. But the show itself has stepped it up a bit because we have not one but two live interviews on the show to not only break down the draft but talk about the experience of draft day, John Pelkey. Yes. This is this is really unprecedented in uh, in terms of anything we've done in our collective uh in as our collective the, lives we we have not accomplished anything near no, to the greatness nor as to we. what this show may be uh, no nor shall we and and it's great because uh we've talked a lot about like the 1960 world series and uh the 1988 49ers season yes we but uh, we actually get to talk about something contemporary with with our guests joining us in just a moment we will have Fabian Washington, a former NFL player, first round draft pick of the Oakland Raiders in 2005. By the way, picked ahead of Aaron Rodgers. That's, that's a feather in the cap right there, I think, uh, among other things. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Fabian about his experience with the draft and uh, a little bit about this year's draft. And then we'll bring in our draft expert. Derek Abbott, who is an assistant football coach at the Coast Guard Academy and has NFL connections throughout and really, really good ones. So we'll be breaking down. Uh, you know, Mark, we'll be going inside the downside or up the inside or whatever we used to call it back at the ESPN. Club exactly. Breaking the into NFL the draft. But it's and great it, to have those guys here. It is going to be great. And, and I know that people who listen to the show on a regular basis have been inundated with people um, you know, so-called experts who are telling them and analyzing uh, about the draft, telling them what to expect on draft day. Mock draft uh, 3.57. Exactly. Throwing like a thousand mock drafts their way. And, uh, you know, we'll see again. And we can talk to Derek about this and, and, and perhaps even Fabian. But what we were always told was that any information you garner during the weeks leading up to the draft you might as well throw out a lot of it, especially of if it's coming Disney from crowd. general managers or front office people, because they're trying, they're trying to obfuscate. Is that the right word? No, it's obfuscate. Yeah, obfuscate. And what obfuscate means, or if it's a word. Yes, I, I, I think I think I may have uh, I think I may have spelled it right in my head and just pronounced it wrong. Yeah, but yes, they're, they're lying to you, essentially. So you well, don't know when you're being fed a bunch of BS and when you're being fed some sort of truth. And we should point out that in front of a Disney crowd at a draft day show at the ESPN Club at Disney's Boardwalk, uh, the great Lee Corso, friend of this show, friend of ours, yes, yes. actually said to people, everything you hear about the draft ahead of time on TV is bullshit. Yeah. And uh, one of yeah. my favorite moments ever at the club and uh, largely truthful as well. Now, Mark, before we get into that, as always, we yes. like to uh, we, we, we like our listening audience, which yeah. is well into double digits at this point, I'm, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> We've been told that. We like them to stretch their minds a little bit with uh, with a progressive trivia. So we're going to do that again today for the yes, draft sir. edition of the show. Our progressive trivia, Mark. Who are we looking for? Well, what sport are we looking for first before we get onto the clues? All right, we're looking for a football player. We've stuck to the NFL the entire the entire history of the show, and that's because at our history at the club, by the way, which is you know the only history we have in terms of real sports uh, uh, interaction with fans. Uh, the NFL questions always were much more popular than NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, golf, tennis. NFL questions always garnered the most responses. So I'm sticking with the NFL and the draft tomorrow. So it makes sense. And the draft is tomorrow. So we're looking at, uh, we're lo I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give, I think three hints this first time around. Oh boy. How oh, about here that? We, here we go. So this guy, this NFL player played for 13 years with three different teams. Mm -hmm. Okay. Has thrown for 30 over 30,000 yards. And do you know why we can't give the exact number, John Pelkey? People will cheat. 
They will. They'll use, They'll their use performance their performance enhancing device. Enhancing yep. devices. Yes, sir. Phones. Yep, that's what they are. They'll Google uh, throw, it. Google statistics. Thrown for over 30,000 yards and over 100 interceptions. Sacked over 400 times. Those are my three first clues. Played for 13 years with three different teams. Thrown for over 30,000 yards, over 100 interceptions. Sacked over 400 times, John Pelkey. All right. That's not good. That's not good at all. That's why uh, I I, I sort of have one in my mind. I'll text it to you because I don't want to. uh, I I have no guess too nebulous. Uh, No guess. Uh, Far too nebulous. Yes, I, ha- I have a guess, but I'll, I'll text it to you because I don't want to give it away. I want people to have an opportunity to, uh, to, uh, to, to guess w- without, uh, you know, undercutting them at this point. But, Mark, I yes, think the fir- what we need to do right now is we need to bring in our first guest. I think you're right. Ladies and gentlemen, as mentioned, Fabian Washington was a first-round draft choice of the Oakland Raiders in 2005. He's from right here in Florida, have over 200 career tackles. Played at Nebraska as a Florida Gator. I'll forgive him that uh, as we uh, as we bring him into the show. Fabian Washington, welcome to After Further Review. Well, for some reason, uh, I muted these uh-huh. guys in the beginning, and now for some reason I have not been able to figure out how to unmute him. Jeff Taylor, what I would like to thank you for doing is, unlike our good friend Riley Claremont, who would have then pretended he was Fabian Washington. <laughs> no, I would never. And- and said things that uh, Fabian would have had to answer to later. Uh, you, you were honest, and that's you know that's something new for the the folks that we work with. I haven't a clue how to undo what I have done here. All right, do you have do you have do you have Derek muted as well? Yes. Okay. All right. I'm gonna so uh, so, so what I so what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, remove Fabian from the call. If he could just call back in, that would be great. I apologize okay. in advance of do, for not, doing not this. a problem. I'm assuming not he can hear us. I don't understand anything technical. I want everyone. All right. To know. So, so we're going to uh, we're going to ask Fabian to call back in. In the meantime, we could talk to Derek, or we could go to the poll question, Don Pelkey. It's really up to you, since you're the one driving this show. Actually, from what I understand, uh, both Fabian and Derek are muted. So... No, no, no. They're Derek's. They're they're both available now. Oh, outstanding! <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and jump in with uh, with our friend Fabian Washington. First of all, Fabian, thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, how is your social distancing going? Thanks for having me. I, I've been doing pretty good. You know, I'm used to staying in the house, so it's not really a big <laughs> deal for me. I'm just missing my sports right now. Boy, aren't we all, and thankfully we have something uh, live to talk about tomorrow. But I want to ask you, as a former first-round draft choice of the Oakland Raiders, you're about, let's say, we're about six hours away from the draft starting tonight. Back in 2005, what were you doing at this point in time? Uh, At this point in time, uh, I'm at home chilling because... Leading up to the draft, you're going to go on plenty of visits. Just about every team that's interested in you, you're going to get a lot of frequent flyer miles. You're going to be on the road literally every day leading up to the draft. So the days right before the draft, you're just trying to relax and chill, man, and trying to make it as least stressful as possible because it's very stressful. So, Fabian, uh, you were telling me that uh, because of your combine performance, which was stellar, your draft stock uh, rose leading up to the draft, and you were told that you were to be expected to be drafted somewhere between 15 and the end of the first round, and that you were going to be the fourth cornerback off the board. So once 15 happened and you knew you were in the window of potentially being drafted, how many cornerbacks had been drafted by that point in time? And, and were you doing the math with every subsequent draft pick leading up to 20, leading up to uh, 23? Absolutely. With every pick, I was, once it got around that 15 mark, I was like, okay, I can get a call at any point. And all three of the top three corners had already been taken by 15. So I knew at some point it would come at, I eventually went uh, 23 to the Raiders, but man, it's every pick after 15. You're just expecting uh, the phone to ring, and it's, when the phone doesn't ring, it's stressful. 
how, Fabian, how many teams were you actually in contact with prior to the draft that you either worked out with or had interviews with? Do, do, do you remember? I recall going to Jacksonville, St. Louis, Kansas City. I think Atlanta. I think I went. I think I went to the Falcons also. But I think I went on four or five uh, visits uh, leading up to the draft and other phone calls with other teams. But the crazy thing is, I had no communication at all with the Oakland Raiders. None. Wow. That's I've heard that I've heard that a number of times from guys who they ended up getting picked by a team that they had no contact with. That that's yeah, that's it, remarkable. Yeah, it was definitely it was a little weird. I had started to hear some buzz about Oakland on draft day. The morning of, my agent called me and he said he got word that eight that the Raiders were interested. But me and him, we were having a conversation that they didn't have a first round draft pick, so it was like. Uh, we don't know how they're going to uh, fit into the system, but they eventually uh, traded up into the first round and uh, took me at 23. That's amazing. Now, we're hearing a lot, Fabian, because of what's happening in the world right now about uh, the fact that teams can't see guys in that sort of month and a half prior to the draft. Uh, they see their, your tape. They they went to the senior bowls or whatever other things you, you did after your season was over, they 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 went to the combine. We had a combine this time around, but a lot of people are mentioning pro days and other visits in between, and interviews and so forth and so on in between. Say about middle of March, and now, did you have anything specific in that period of time? Was that pretty active for you that last month before the draft in terms of visits, in terms of contacts with teams? Just going, just going on. Uh... I think they're called top 40 visits. Just going on the top 40 visits, that's, that's, just, that's about it. I didn't have any workouts at all. I've heard uh, where guys uh, during this time, they will also have visits at the team uh, complex. I didn't have any workouts at all. And I did participate in my uh, team's pro day. Okay, which a lot of teams haven't had, John Pelkey. We're talking to Fabian Washington. He was a 2005 first-round draft choice, number 23 overall of the Oakland Raiders. Um, where did you actually watch the draft, Fabian? Were you at the at the draft itself, uh, or did you watch at home? What was your draft day experience? My draft day experience. I was at home with a ton of friends and family, just just relax, trying to, like I say, trying to be as cool as possible because I was really nervous the whole day. So I wanted to be around a lot of friends and family. John Pelkey, I wanted to ask him, and this was uh, something you had suggested earlier on was that, um, you know, you, you had a six year career Fabian and, and you had a, you had a playoff interception when you were playing with the Ravens, you know, over 200 tackles as John Pelkey said, it's a pretty darn solid NFL career. And actually, in terms of the average NFL career, it's twice as long as the average NFL career. But your career was cut short a little bit by a, by a bad knee injury, uh, you know, late in the, uh, in the career. And there's all kinds of talk about injuries coming up with Tua. Do you have any thoughts about that? Do you think, do you think just from your experience, college injuries have have anything to do with what happens in the NFL and are, are people quote unquote injury prone? I don't believe in injury prone. I think you, if you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt. It's nothing you can do about it. And I, and it's just my personal belief on this draft. I think the Dolphins would be crazy to pass on tour. And that's interesting. You've led me into the question I wanted to ask you, because as a defensive back, what we're seeing from a lot of guys and Tua is one of these guys, Jordan Love also at Utah State, guys who are known as uh, like Patrick Mahomes playing like a point guard, really extending plays as a defensive back. Is that the thing that most worries you about playing against a guy like that? The straight drop back passers, you still have an internal clock when you know they're going to get the ball out in this period of time. But a guy like Tua, uh, if he is over the injury and it seems like he's rehabbing well, he can so easily extend a play. Yeah, it's, that's very tough on a defensive back. You know, for years, 
I had to play uh, against Pittsburgh, and they have Ben Roethlisberger, and he is the master at extending plays. And you will have a guy covered up, and then Ben may shake off a defender, throw him off, and now that receiver is running free, and Ben will get it there. So, yes, it's always tough when uh, you're going against uh, quarterbacks that are really elusive. All right. Well, Fabian, thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, we, we hope to talk to you again for our uh, draft day special. We made it very, very uh, well special for us, frankly, uh, that we were able to bring somebody in with so much knowledge. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here at After Further Review. Thank you, Fabian. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. All right. Some great insight, uh, Mark. And I think that's so interesting. How often did you and I hear that guy ended up getting drafted by one of the teams that didn't even talk to him? This just lends more credence Seriously. to Lee Corso's comment <laughs> that they, it's, it's all bullshit. They, they didn't even have a first round pick, John. They didn't even have a first round pick. <laughs> oh, that my is goodness. unbelievable. Wow. All right. Good all right. Stuff. We want to. We want to bring Derek Abbott in, but first, it is time, Mark, for more clues to our progressive trivia. And I don't know if we should let Derek uh, guess either, because he has way too much knowledge, and he'll ruin it for everybody. He can guess. He can guess. I don't have any guesses yet, because apparently it was too obscure, the first couple of clues. All right, these are the first few clues. Played for 13 years with three different teams. This is an NFL quarterback, obviously. I just sent you, by the way, I just sent you a guess. I just hadn't had time to do it. That is not right. Bernie Uh, Kosar is not right. But I I love the fact that you're guessing. Played for 13 years, three different teams, thrown for over 30,000 yards with over 100 interceptions, sacked over 400 times. And here's a couple more clues. Played in seven playoff games, won two of them. Played with Adrian Peterson and Nick Foles. Okay. Okay. And okay. again, and again, you if you if you you know if you really know the NFL, this oftentimes, uh, folks, we would play progressive trivia and then add a clue about who that person played with, truly to to throw people off. I mean, that was the only real reason we would yes. put those kinds of clues in was to throw people off. But this isn't really designed for that at all. This and is, we usually this, and we usually this, picked, this could be helpful to, to we, people. We usually picked like somebody they played with their rookie year. And yeah. then if they had a cup, a cup of coffee with the team exactly. in their 15th year, they exactly. played with this guy. So uh, you're not doing that. Good for you. I guess I guessed again, by the way. Oh, very good. OK, I'll check. Let me check one more time. Oh, my gosh. Derek got it right. Ah, got it right. Well, then that leads it into it. Mark, take us into our interview with Derek. It is not Kurt Warner. It is not Kurt Warner. That was unbelievable. Derek, you know what? Derek needs to be uh, another co-host. How many many co-hosts do we have now that that should definitely take over the show? As of right now, if we want this show to be successful, it should be Dane Becker, Derek Abbott with Laura Luke deciding all of the poll questions. And you and I should not even be allowed to subscribe and listen. No. (laughs) But as it is, we're here. You got uh, it right. You got it right. Next guest, if you would. All right, Derek. uh, We're a pleasure to bring in this uh, young man. He's an assistant coach. Uh, at the Coast Guard Academy, and his scouting sources are many, including key NFL coaches and NFL front office personnel. Please welcome Derek Abbott. Derek, thank you so much for joining after further review. Um, oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I know your uh, your your dad is a, is a good friend of ours, Keith Abbott, and uh, worked with us at the good. club. And was is it really was good? No- <laughs> yeah. I consider him a work acquaintance. Okay, very very. <laughs> Very good. I'm glad you're more specific with that one. <laughs> but he was considered a draft nerd. Oh, he was he? He'd start draft. He'd start. He was like uh, a a Mel Kiper that worked within budget. He'd start like six months out, it, breaking it, yeah. everybody down. It was unbelievable. And you grew up with this. And now, according to him, you are you are him on steroids. So it's even that much more intense. You've spent a bunch of time. Just last night, after knowing you'd be on the show, studying, and you have a series of notes. I mean, John Pelkey and I can. I polished off a bottle of scotch and binge watched the first season of Shit's Creek. So, you know, exactly. I'm ready. It's like we can't come near this guy with a 10 foot pole. But, uh, Derek, just thank you for joining us. And, 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 and my first question really comes down to the. Uh, to the two a thing as well, because that's what everyone's been talking about. And I just want to start with this in terms of uh, sort of an argument that John and I have had over the course of the last couple of episodes. And that is, do you think it's worse for a team to miss 
on a potential once-in-a-generation talent or pick the wrong guy and then be stuck with that guy and have that draft and everything else set set the team back or, or whatever? What What's your opinion on that? Man, I think it's really tough because of the situation that we're in right now um, with no medical with um, with them got not being able to get guys into the facility. I mean, you saw Mike Lombardi just report uh, the other day that, that two have failed a physical with a team. Didn't specify which team. But, I mean, th- those kind of things kind of got to worry you just a little bit, you know. You got to be kind of thinking, well, you know, did he really fail it? Or is this just kind of another team just blowing smoke? Like you were talking about with right. Lee Corso, you know, never believe anything that you hear. Um so it's really tough. I mean, we were talking a little bit before before the show and everything about it. About and you know, the more I watch the film and everything, I'm like, man, this, this kid's really good. Um, so it, it's it really just depends because he has. It, it's not just one injury. It's not just the hip. It's also, I mean, he had a broken nose. He had a concussion, two ankle surgeries. So now you're starting to wonder, okay, is this kid going to be able to 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 be able to be durable in the NFL because you get guys that are injury riddled and then they never get, I mean, the perfect example is um, Sam Bradford. Yeah. Uh, What a stud he was in college. And then he just had numerous, numerous injuries. Well, let me ask you this question because really the only negative that anybody can come up with it too, because he's obviously his athletic gifts are Mm -hmm. incredible. He's a smart guy. He's, Mm -hmm. he's very dedicated leader, all of that. But Nick Saban said, and this, this is something that I think is concerning and particularly given what's happened to him. And you just pointed out the injuries is that Nick Saban says he's a guy who will never give up on a play to his and sometimes his team's detriment. As a former mm-hmm. college football quarterback, talk about how that that's something that he's going to have to get coached out of him, correct? Yeah, no, absolutely. That That's a big proponent of it because, I mean, that's, that's actually how my career ended was I didn't throw the ball away. I ended up getting a high ankle sprain and then not playing again. Um, that's a really big thing. I mean, you look at a guy, I mean, would you, how often do you see Russell Wilson ever take a big hit? whatever. And he runs around more than anybody. Um, but he never takes a big hit and he's always on the field and he's, he's playing. Um, but that's something that, you know, it's obviously it can be learned, can be taught, say, Hey man, you want to throw this ball away here. It's, you know, second and four, don't try and extend the play when there's nothing there, just throw it away. Let's get to third and four and let's, let's live to see another day, um, as an offense and as you as a player as well. Yeah, Russell Wilson is is brilliant at that, and and not only does that keep him healthy, but it mm-hmm. keeps down his interceptions. I mean, that guy he throws like mm-hmm. five interceptions a year because he throws everything away, and he know and he's very very smart. But we've heard that about Tua as well. Despite his wonderlick score, which I don't believe in, uh, he uh, everything I've <laughs> he picked I've the wrong heard, tree. What kind of tree would yeah. you be? And he said a maple. That's wrong. He right. can't play. That's not what the NFL would say. That's not what smart quarterbacks would say. No, I think he's very, very uh, smart in terms of uh, his field presence and his field IQ. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this uh, um, about the quarterbacks, and you've looked at these quarterbacks. Is there someone out there that is that no one is talking about that's kind of a sleeper, maybe mm-hmm. kind of a Russell Wilson? I mean, he was third-round pick. That mm-hmm. was probably about – where people thought he would go, maybe even a little higher than people thought he would go. And uh, he, he started right away, won the job right away, even though they had inked uh, Matt Flynn mm-hmm. to a $10 million contract. Uh, is there anyone out there that you think is a sleeper that could really perform well, that could really somehow put everything together at the next level that no one's talking about right now? Yeah, I, I really think Jacob Eason out of Washington – um, I, when you watch him, if it was 2008, he'd probably be a top five pick, but the way that the league is trending now that they want guys that are able to make plays out of structure, guys that are able to make plays, you know, second reaction plays with their legs and everything else. Easton's just kind of like this big, tall, big arm every now and then. I mean, he's got enough athletic, athletic ability to get out and make plays and everything. But like I said, seven years ago, he might be. Uh, of top five pick, top ten pick he, he this also year. Has, go ahead. 
Yeah, go, uh, well, I was just going to say, uh, the other thing is, uh, Derek, and I'm sorry to cut you off, the, the, the other thing is, much like Patrick Mahomes, he's a guy who I don't think the stage is going to be too big for him because he is, I believe, the nephew of Tony Eason, who mm-hmm. played, uh, had a had a pretty substantial career, won an AFC championship game with the New England Patriots. So I think that's another thing why a lot of scouts are saying, here's a guy who's not going to be overwhelmed by the stage. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you could say everybody thought that about Chad Kelly, too. <laughs> Chad Kelly showed his immaturity a lot, though. The, the well, red flags I, were up, and Easton did transfer from Georgia because it didn't work yeah. out well for him there. But he seems like a pretty mature kid. And, and I believe Easton had some some maturity issues early in his early in his time at either Washington or Georgia. It was like some sort of alcohol violation. But you're a freshman in college. I mean, uh, to a scout, that's not really you know. I mean, you're just a kid being a kid. But yeah, I mean, if you watch the tape, I mean, he's big, strong kid can really drive the ball down the field. Um, every now and then he'll take a bad sack or he spins out of the pocket when he doesn't need to. So the, the him being in the pocket and hang in there, he's got a little bit of fidget, fidgetiness to him. But other than that, I mean, I think that he's a guy that maybe is a day two. Day, I don't know about day three, but he could be a late day two guy that somebody ends up taking a flyer on and ends up developing, you know, kind of sits behind somebody for a year that can maybe teach him, Hey, like, this is how you play quarterback in the NFL and kind of develop. I mean, that's what you saw with Mahomes um, and Alex Smith. And I think that was a big proponent of how he developed as a quarterback in the NFL was learning behind him. I don't think that's a a question these days. I mean, I I think it's very few and far between quarterbacks that can just jump right in. I mean, Russell Mm -hmm. Wilson jumped right in. Dan Marino essentially jumped right in, although it was about a half a season in. Uh, Peyton Manning essentially jumped right in. But Mm -hmm. it really, you know, behooves most organizations, most quarterbacks, to wait. There's no doubt about it. Now, now I'm I'm interested because the 49ers' uh, big two needs, and I'm a huge Niners fan, as you know, Derek. Uh, there are two big needs right now, uh, I believe, are, are wide receiver and cornerback, both of which are pretty deep in this draft. From from your point of view, if you're if you're a GM and you know this draft, and you've 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 um you know uh, talked with a lot of scouts who are studying this draft. Do you think it would be behoove them to trade down? They have the number 13 and the number 31 in this round, in the first round, and they don't have a pick for second, third, or fourth. Mm-hmm. Would it behoove them to trade down because they could still address those two needs because the draft is deep enough? Or do you think they should grab a, a Jerry Judy if he's available or a, I, a top corner? I don't know. I don't know that Judy will fall that far. Right, um, I know. I, I, yeah. th- I think I think he could end up getting snagged up by uh, – Oakland or Vegas. I'm still not getting used to that. <laughs> it's going to take us all a long time. <laughs> it's the Raiders or wherever they're playing this year. Um, it, that's what kind of everybody's been talking about is that uh, of San Francisco trading back because it's such a deep receiver draft. But I mean, it would be kind of exciting to see like a Henry Ruggs in Kyle Shanahan's offense along with Debo Samuel. And what all the kind of the things that he could kind of do. I mean, he saw Tyreek Hill torch him in the Super Bowl. And that's the kind of things that with Ruggs' speed, he could really kind of do the same thing. So I know from your perspective, you might be like, hey, let's go get Riggs and let's just blow the top off of every team with with him and Samuel. But um, I I would probably guess that they would try and trade back. But that's not to say that they couldn't go trade for a receiver and move back. Now, what about Lamb? You like Lamb? I do like Lamb. I I still think – me personally, I like Jerry Judy the best out of sure. Lamb just because guys that have natural route running ability that are really smooth in and out of routes that can have really good burst and acceleration and not really the top end speed, but are able to basically shift gears and go from nothing to 100 really, really quick. Those are the guys that really, really translate really well. I mean, you look at even, I mean, he's not even really technically in the league right now, but you look at like Antonio Brown that he's able to just get in and out of routes. I mean, he's not, he's just, his acceleration is just top notch. And I think that that's what Judy brings up. Now I did see something that again, there's no medical on anybody per se, but there was, there was a report out maybe I think last night that said he had some sort of lingering knee issue. So again, you know, is this real? Does anybody really believe that he's got this lingering knee issue or is this, or is this Lee Corso going to, it's all a bunch of bull crap. 
It's a, it's a podcast. You can say bullshit. Uh, yeah, that uh, uh, the uh, the wide receiver. Thing, I don't think Judy will drop either because I don't think the Jaguars will let him get past them. Frankly, oh. at that point, though, I don't even think that's the best pick for them because they they need a lot of people. I want to jump back to the quarterbacks for a minute because I want to ask mm-hmm. you. We're seeing a lot of the comparisons come out now, and I don't always agree with those. I think they just uh, they they're they're kind of surface. But I like the comparison, and I don't think a lot of Bengals fans will with Joe Burrow uh, and Tony Romo. To me, he reminds me a great deal of Romo, which is a guy who's going to be very solid. He's going to come in. He's going to play very, very well. He's not that guy who, in my mind, is going to beat you with a couple of big plays. He's going to be very solid, very steady, not going to make a lot of bad decisions. Uh, Do you agree with that with the Romo? Because other people go, well, Romo didn't win a championship. I think that had a lot more to do with the front office in Dallas than it really did Tony Romo. A couple of crappy plays in the playoffs notwithstanding. Mm -hmm. Do you like the comparison of Burrow and Romo? I like the comparison in the sense of Romo's athleticism. Because you watch watch Burrow. I mean, he'll go out and he'll go pick up 10, 15 yards. Uh, He can move around in the pocket really, really well. I like him in that sort of comparison. Instincts wise, I mean, you look at him, he, he's if he wasn't a quarterback, he'd probably be a serial killer like he's out there and he's trying to demoralize your defensive coordinator and your defense like right. he's he's just like those kind of Tom Brady like instincts. And I think when you watch him on tape too, what they do at LSU and everybody always talks about oh, system quarterback system, whatever, every quarterback's a system quarterback. And when they had Joe Brady the last this past season, they right. incorporated a lot of what New Orleans did which is a lot of five-man protection. So you're getting the back out of the backfield. You're sending four receivers out. And Burrow is now able to pick you apart because he's getting a clear read on what he's looking at. So in the sense where, like, Brady can, like, get a whole picture of everything and go, this is exactly where I want to go. He has a very, very high football IQ, gets rid of the ball really quickly. And once he understands what he's seeing, it's really hard. I mean, now it's going to depend because he's not going to have the talent at no with the Bengals, no. but I, I think that you know the Bengals will a lot of most Zach Taylor, a lot of the pro teams now are tailoring their offense to the quarterbacks. Whereas, like 10 years ago, you were trying to get quarterbacks to get tailored to your offense. So, I, I think that they do a lot of those things, but like the Romo comparison, the athleticism for sure. But I mean, the instincts and the character. I mean, when was the last time you saw a quarterback sitting in the locker room smoking a cigar after a game? I mean, that's, <laughs> he's just got that Tom Brady swagger to him. He's just got killer instincts. All right. We're talking to Derek Abbott. He is a, an assistant coach at the Coast Guard Academy. And for a guy who grew up watching Service Academy football, mine was Navy. I, I, I applaud you for that. It's some of my favorite football. Before we let you go, Derek, I, I have to ask you about Justin Herbert, then, if we're going to stay with the quarterbacks, because he is mm-hmm. a guy who I saw a lot. Full disclosure, I watch a lot of Pac-12 football because that's after my wife's gone to bed and she allows that. Um, <laughs> uh, Herbert is a guy who statistically dropped off after uh, you know, two years ago, statistically was better than he was last year. But the thing, the positive for him, and I want you to comment on this and then maybe break him down just a little bit for us, is that he showed up in the big games. He played his best in the big games for Oregon. Um, so the consistency might be a question, but the big game stuff is is there for Justin Herbert. He's also, in my mind, he's a little slight. He's going to have to bulk up a little. What are your feelings about Justin Herbert? Because he's a guy who there's not there doesn't seem to be a lot of a gray area with him from what we're hearing, which, of course, we've agreed is all bullshit. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think that he played well, in, in, for example, in the Rose Bowl. Um but in the last couple games, he really didn't throw the ball really well. He ran the ball really well. I think he had like three rushing touchdowns in the in the Rose Bowl game. So that was something that Oregon, if you when you go back and watch the tape, that he really didn't run the ball a lot. There weren't a lot of, you know, uh, zone read options where he could pull the ball and go um, earlier in the season. And if you watch the kind of the Auburn game, I think some of the questions were with him are. You know, is the opposite of Burrow is that does he kind of have that killer instinct, that dog in him that, you know, that Burrow does? Um, because I, the, in the Auburn game, I believe it was like a third and one. Uh, they're going in at the end of the game. They, they win the game. And or if he if he stays in the game, they win it. 
it's third and one and he pulls himself out because he had like an injury, you know, whatever. And, and there's a lot of guys in the NFL that are like, uh, you got to have like a bone popping out to pull me out of this game. So it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of like him throwing the hail Mary out of the back of the end zone. Like I, he, they were playing in Dallas and he almost hit Houston with the ball. Um, <laughs> it's the last play of the game and he just throws it away. So it's like, people just wonder, does he have that, that it now he had a great, um, performance at the senior bowl won the senior bowl MVP. I had the opportunity to go down there and I had to watch him and he looked really, really well and everything. But I mean, I mean, he checks off all the boxes, but it's just like, you can't figure out what it is, you know, but he's got the prototypical size. I mean, he gets mechanical at times. He's not as twitchy when he gets close rushers to him. Like you get like a Russell Wilson that can just jump out of there or Lamar Jackson that are you get one guy, he's just going to make one step and just get around him. He really doesn't have that, but it's, it's just so weird with him because last year he was like the surefire first overall pick. No yep. doubt. Yeah. And this year like, is he going to fall out of the top 10? Yeah, I, I find it hard. I would find it hard to believe that he would drop out of the top 10. If you look at the quarterbacks for those teams and some teams like the lions, which may be choosing at this point to move away from a Matthew Stafford or bring somebody in to sit behind him for a bit. So I'd find it hard to believe he dropped out of the top 10, but you know, as I said, there are a lot of strong feelings about him ever each way. And you've, you've covered some of the issues that I've heard elsewhere. All right. Derek Abbott, our good friend, assistant coach at the coast guard Academy, former Robert Morris quarterback, the pride of freedom high school right here in central Florida. Thanks for joining us, man. And hopefully uh, maybe we'll have you back uh, next week and break down where this thing goes, because uh, this is unprecedented for us as far as how these teams have get, uh, garnered information and what kind of information they have it's going to make for a really interesting night tomorrow night absolutely really thank you guys for having me on anytime all right thank you Derek. thank you, Derek. Thank you buddy that was all outstanding right. great great stuff mark and and you know it's just I, I worry about the oregon thing johnny i do yeah well yeah yeah i get it akili smith joey harrington i get that and he's kind of a late and to Derek brought up that really great point he's that you know people think he's kind of laid back in fact to the point where uh, his his head coach has come out and said uh, at Oregon has come out and said uh, no 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 he's he's an intense competitor don't don't you know just because he's a little chilly at times he's an intense competitor but it's going to be interesting I I don't see any way he drops out of the top ten no more no I don't either not at all and I did want to ask him a little bit about the Joe Burrow thing uh, in terms of number one picks who also won the Heisman and their. Eh relative lack of success yeah. and, it, and it all does come down to the fact that they're drafted by a very very bad team and that's to Derek's point you know can he have four wide receivers and and two running backs you know all of the all of the Saints offensive schemes can he have that at at uh, Cincinnati yeah I and I think I don't think so well and I think a good I think a good point that Derek made and this this is true we talked about this a lot back in the day is system 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 trying to put the square peg in the round hole too many teams really blew it with guys doing that. And teams are a little more fluid now with uh, because what, we, what we're seeing is a lot of the athletes that they're presented with, particularly at the quarterback position, are guys who aren't traditional dropback passers. That's less and less of a thing in college football. So teams have to be a little more fluid. It's going to be it's going to make for really, really interesting stuff. You know, what also is interesting is that Derek What's is the that? only one who's gotten the progressive trivia Seriously, up to this dude. point. So let's yeah. move along and see if you can Please. help out uh, those of us who aren't as uh, uh, aren't well prepared or smart as Derek Abbott. Both those things. Both those things. Uh, you certainly aren't, John Pelkey. I think. I think Jeff. Jeff's had some success with guessing progressive trivia's over the last few episodes, but uh, but not so much with you, my friend. All right. Played for 13 years with three different. Easy for me to say because I know the answer. Played for 13 years in three different teams. Thrown for over 30,000 yards, over 100 interceptions, sacked over 400 times. Played in the seven playoff games. Won two of them. Played with Adrian Peterson and Nick Foles which is what got Derek to uh, to correctly guess this thing. Here we go. Three-time Pro Bowler. Ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Went to a school now in the Pac-12. Went to a school now in the Pac-12 and coached by a former quarterback and a former middle linebacker. Come on now. Come on now. Let's see. Let's see if Johnny has said no. I've gotten no messages. <laughs> no no messages from I'm, I'm, who's, who's continued to be frozen on, on the Skype here, which is highly bothersome because it's all on my end, but that's okay. I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm working it through my mind and I'm trying to, uh, 
I'm trying to remember. Uh, I'm trying to think, and I'm 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 coming up a blank. <laughs> I I feel Fine. I feel like I've done uh, poor. Oh, 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 okay. You, you uh, got you got you got an idea? Do, how about you, Jeff? I have no idea. I, 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 I have ideas. I've, I I've made the connections. I just haven't been able to pull a name out of the hat yet. I, uh, I, All right. I, sent, I sent you a guess, Mark. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see if John Pelkey. Yeah, you got it right. Good. good okay. Man. All good right. Man. Okay. Nice the job. Pac-12, the Pac-12, as you know, that's my thing. I, I figured, I figured guys that guys was college. the clue that was going to get Should have gotten that one right. Should have gotten it right earlier. So All right, well, let's move end. on. Let's move on to our poll question, Mark. I know we ran ran a little late with the, with the guys, but with just so much great information from Fabian and Derek, we wanted to do that. But our poll question was a fun one this week. It really was. Athlete you'd most like to see, and it's not limited in your lifetime. And when right. we say athlete, John, it doesn't have to be a human either. Right. Could be said. We, we brought up Secretariat, and that would certainly be in my top ten, if not oh, my top five. Totally. That would have been something to see. We had a 30 responses, which is which is pretty good. I think that's probably the second most responses we've ever gotten. You were upset initially because uh, it wasn't 68 or 70 or whatever. And I did an emergency Facebook Live to see if I could get more. Yeah, you really did, John. And you don't need to you don't need to compare yourself to the outliers all the time. You yeah, know, you 30 do. is a solid response. Trending down. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about let's talk about these finals because uh, I know who yours is. Mine's yeah. the only one that that that's not out there, and it's not even on. It's not the list. No one else has voted for this person. Uh huh. At least up till uh, we came in here to to do the show. But uh, and it's not Sonny Jurgensen. It's not Sonny Jurgensen or Sammy Baugh. Uh, I saw Sonny Jurgensen play live, so I didn't I didn't include that. I wanted to go with somebody that I hadn't seen, and that, right. that wasn't a rule, but that was just my thing. Sure. And Sammy Ball was my second choice. Um, but let's talk about what everybody else was voting for, because uh, the number one vote getter, not surprising to me. No, Jesse Owens. And uh, when I did my Facebook Live, I mentioned that that uh, was certainly one I was thinking about, and um, certainly in my top five, if not my top three. Jesse Owens. And his performance at the 1936 Olympics in front of Hitler got four. That was the top vote getter, John Pelkey. And and it should be because it's the best uh, American Olympic moment. It's okay. the best Second American best. Olympic moment. Second I, would you, I guess you disagree with that? Yeah. 1980 Olympic hockey team's uh, better moment oh. for me. Taking nothing away from Jesse Owens. Just a hockey game as opposed to not only a sporting event but a geopolitical Event. Don't inject your politics. And by the way, Hitler garnered zero votes, which we are very Hitler appreciative of. Not one. No one <laughs> wanted to see him play. Jim Thorpe got three, which I think is a fascinating um, point of view. Walter Payton got two. Jackie Robinson got two. Jackie Robinson is mine, John Pelkey. To see him play in that opening game at, you know, as a Dodger in sure. 1947. And, You're at the top and, of my list. And to see everything around that as well. Uh, because of, obviously it wasn't pretty. A lot of it wasn't pretty. But to see him, you know, he was also a great player, won Rookie of the Year that year. So yep. to me, that would have been absolutely fascinating to know everything about that, to know what, you know, because now you have, the, you have context, and, mm-hmm. and you know everything that happened beforehand in, in context, which a lot of people at the time didn't know. And then you know everything that's happened subsequent to that, contextually and so it would be fascinating willie mays got two now i saw him in person when i was a kid i was lucky enough to do that um but we got a michael jordan we got only one michael jordan surprised well i wonder how many people didn't actually get to see him play though that's what the walter payton thing i mean i saw him play right Well, but i think that's kind of the point is of the question was you know you could go back to somebody you didn't want to because you know walter johnson would be one for me that uh, Ted Williams, there were guys, I actually saw Ted Williams manage. That's how old I am. But, uh, live. Uh, but, uh, so that, that was kind of the thing. That's I just, awesome. Jordan for the, is just. For the Senators, right? Yeah. Jordan, yeah, absolutely. Nice 69. Uh, Jordan is, uh, or 71. I don't remember what it was. Anyway, uh, Jordan is just such a ubiquitous uh, presence. Air Jordans are still produced as far as i know not much into he's the, an icon the, he and they are yeah, he's such an icon they, it just they bring really out new air jordans almost every year yeah he's i think he, he sold yeah he sold more sneakers this last year than every huge 
star combined did yeah. essentially. So, uh, my, my my choice uh, ties into Michael Jordan because mine would be Bill Russell. I wanted to, I want Ooh, to see him nice. play, and the main reason I want to see him play is because I always, because of his accomplishments, throw him into that argument. And I've had some really nice experiences with him in person, but I always throw him into that argument of Jordan and LeBron and Kobe because of his right, accomplishments. And I would like to go back and see him in action. So I could put down a lot of the things that are said when you bring him into the equation. People say, you know, he played against nobody in those days, which I I just can't imagine that played against uh, Will Chamberlain. Oh, by the way, uh, and yeah. and and a lot and of players that are time, in the Hall of Fame. I, I mean, that's that's the thing is that this guy uh, accomplished major things in a different era. Yes, but I would love yeah. to see him play so I could say, no, 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 you have no idea what you're talking about, and shut the argument down immediately. Well, listen, in the athletes, we, we there's no argument that athletes are better now and that there are more people playing basketball. But if you think that there were fewer teams in the NBA back then. So you had, you know, the, the guys that I, you were playing against had had been we, weeded through. You know, you, there there wasn't, you know, a, somebody, a, a, a guy who's the ninth guy on the bench for team number 30. It, there, there were many fewer teams. So I, I think Bill Russell is an so, outstanding choice. So, John, let me ask you this question. So I watched the la- I watched the first two episodes of The Last Dance now. And mm-hmm. I'm watching them play those games. And this really factors into are the athletes of today better than the athletes of yesterday? These guys are going to the to the going to the rim. And I mean, there are at least two or three guys getting hands on them the whole time yep. they're going in and they don't call fouls. You used right. to be able to actually defend these players physically Michael Jordan and Bill Russell had to actually be defended and they put up those numbers so I wonder are the athletes better today or are we just giving them or more opportunity to put up bigger stats and here's what I think I think the that athletically there is no doubt that training has come too far nutrition people start earlier kids are starting at ridiculously young ages so I think athletically guys are better are they better all around basketball players? It's a tough question because, to your point, the game is different now, and you don't have to learn to uh, to play against very, very physical defenders. So that's why it can, when you're starting, if you compare uh, eras, would Bill Russell be great coming in in this era and uh, with them calling fouls as closely as they do now? You probably not. The other. Uh, question is would clay thompson have lasted in the nba in the 1960s if people could just hammer on him all the time well i'll say i'll say this if let's just take lebron james for instance lebron james likes to sit there and act like he got fouled every time he went to the rim sure if he went into the rim and uh was being defended by jordan and jordan got a hand on him when he was going to the rim and he stopped and put his hands out like he fouled me charles oakley would have punched him in the face <laughs> there is that yes it's a different <laughs> he would have been out for a concussion. would transfer at, 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 at any point he, but i he, do think would, numbers are inflated would, clearly Mark. would he be more magic johnson though because i feel like with his size and speed and ability to play the the different positions I think he's a better comparison to that. I mean, he's obviously way more in shape. He's way more cut than Magic Johnson ever was. But I really do feel like that's the best comparison. I don't think he compares to Jordan. Well, to me, that's why there's an argument for him to be the GOAT because he's sort of a compare. He's a combination of Jordan and Magic. You know, Jordan didn't have nearly the assists that LeBron will have. LeBron will have more assists than Magic. So but but I do think, especially after watching those two episodes, it's a reminder as to how amazing he was. And and the other thing, too, you have to factor in is you have to look at what he was like prior to getting Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Phil Jackson. Yeah. You know, LeBron James didn't have any of that. LeBron James had one Hall of Famer he played with at, at least at the at the moment. And that would be Dwayne Wade. He had no coaches that even could come close to Phil Jackson, who I believe is the best coach of all time. I mean, you, 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 I, he finished that six title run and waited a year and then won three in a row with the Lakers. I just feel like I just I feel like a lot of credit. I, th- I think really Scottie Pippen was the only player comparable to Dwayne Wade that Michael Jordan ever played with. 
Well, I mean, Dennis Rodman's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's that. That's that's way into the that. That's towards the end that, of the career. Well, that was though. the second three-peat. So there's three three right there. Here, and, and Phil and Phil Jackson to me is the is the real. He's crux. He's, he's huge. And and you know, although, Ty Lue is although Ty Lue is, is not Phil Jackson. Although and, and Eric, Eric Spolstra, Spolstra is not, oh, is I don't know. I I really am starting to lean toward Eric Spolstra potentially could be Phil Jackson. Look at what he's done with the team yeah. since. Yeah. Yes. Come on now. Phil Jackson's I, won 11 titles. And Phil Jackson is there. Well, Spolstra's won two. He won two. And he's got all of his hair still. So, I mean, he's got time. <laughs> but let, let he, me say this. So so my, my biggest argument, I, I know we've gone way too far with this. We're talking poll question here. But with <laughs> with LeBron James, my, my biggest argument about LeBron James is, do you think that Michael Jordan would have lost more titles than he won regardless of his teammates? I think, well, the evidence points to that he couldn't even get to the title game, that the Pistons and the Celtics, uh, he couldn't even get past his own conference teams those, when he didn't have the team around him or when he didn't have Phil Jackson around those, him. I mean, those, you could make those, that argument. But, he, he but was you're talking about seven years. You're talking, you're talking about playing for teams, though, that before they started to kind of draft those guys and get them in, you're talking about the team that had the third pick in the draft. So he yeah, was playing. Are you, with. are you telling me that any of those Cleveland teams that no, LeBron, no, I, but he also Mo didn't go Williams to the finals the with player them. He, had. he went to the finals and lost to Dallas when he had Dwayne Wade. He went to the finals and lost to San Antonio when he had Dwayne Wade. Michael Jordan would not have done that. San Antonio also had Tim Duncan. I understand. Also had, I understand that those teams were, were great. I mean, but Jordan was beating, and also had a Hall of Fame head coach too. Jordan was beating Hall of Famers in all of those finals as well. He would have won. He he was a winner. He he. The my favorite quote from that is when they're talking to Roy Williams, and Roy Williams says Michael Jordan has an on-off switch, which I think LeBron James also has. I think the difference is the next statement he makes is Michael never turned his off. Well, I mean, you know, we can argue we can argue that all the time. We can argue that forever in terms of LeBron and Jordan. It's I think such a Jordan, great though, argument. He won he won six conference championship games. Uh, LeBron won eight in a row with two different teams. So, I mean, I think it's I think we can go back and forth, and we're sort of hijacking this thing. Uh, I also would say that today's numbers are inflated in football as well. So, I don't think it's necessarily just the athletes. That are that are necessarily better, which I think, obviously, to John's point, they are. They the nutrition wise, I agree with him. Health there. wise, they obviously are are better. They don't have to have a second job. All those things, yes. But it's also <laughs> the systems in place. To your point as well, Jeff. It's systems. Like if Dan Marino was a quarterback now, he'd have a hundred thousand yards. Yes, because he, his receivers he, wouldn't get mugged whenever they went down to went yes. up to get a ball. Yes. I mean, when he threw for 5,000 yards, which is still an outlier to some degree these days, when he threw for 5,000 yards in 1984, no one had ever touched that, even thought about touching that. Yeah. All right. So let, let's go ahead and listen to some of the other comments about the favorite athlete or entity that people would like to have seen in their lifetime. Tom from California calling in. Of course, that was the end of an era for Modern Family, finished last week after 11 seasons. Uh, the player that I'd love to see play live, um, you know, I thought about Jim Brown would, would be a good one, or Ted Williams for me, um, or Joe DiMaggio. But then I thought, man, historically, what would be great to see would be Jackie Robinson's first game as a Dodger. Um, that would be unbelievable uh feeling to see that so my my pick is jackie robinson by the way uh talk about actors last week with al pacino not being very good and you know uh meryl streep is horrible too i think i mean she always plays a woman they always it's the same thing over and over it's always a woman so you know i'm i'm with you man al pacino and meryl streep just they keep playing the same people that's a shot. Anyways, enjoying the show. See you next time. Bye. Since I feel like I am the show's resident 12-year-old, uh, I'm going to stick with that theme and say Michael Jordan. I never got to see him play live, and I wish that I could have. 
I'm really enjoying this Last Dance series on ESPN, and it is making me really, really wish that I could have attended some of those games or even watched them live on TV. But uh, unfortunately, I think I was six or seven at the time, so <laughs> that didn't happen. Alas, that's my answer. Always enjoy the show. Hey, guys, Lenny here. My pick to today's topic would be a Final Four March Madness basketball game. Also, I'd like to say happy anniversary to the very talented duo of John Pelkey and his lovely wife, Jody. Happy anniversary and stay safe. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs> hey, John and Mark. It's uh, Lisa Reynolds from Lakeland, Florida, and I wanted to chime in on the poll question. Um, if I could see anyone or anything, um, I would want to see Gronkowski fall flat on his face as Kenyon Drake runs past him for the touchdown in the Miami <laughs> Miracle. So uh, what do you guys think about that? I'll... Uh, <laughs> Hang up and listen to your response. Uh, hang up and listen. <laughs> Chief of the Fire here. My vote is going for Jesse Owens at the 1936 Olympics for the historical significance that transcends even uh, the sports world. Thank you very much. So that was Chief of the Fire. Yep. And our first one was Tom Marino. And the reason why he, he gave us a clip of the uh, Modern Family intro it's because he played on that. Yep. Musician, talented musician. Yes. Tr uh, trumpeter. Yep. So he played on that, and so I guess he was getting residuals for 11 years. And he, yeah. he will continue to do so. Yes, he, and, and he will continue to do so because that show's not going anywhere. No. Right. I've uh -huh. never seen an episode of it. It's oh, such it's, a good show. Never it seen is. it. It's a terrific show. I need and, to do that. And I loved, uh, I loved what he said about Meryl Streep as well, Jeff. My daughter had some some comments for you as well regarding Al Pacino. I I feel I feel like I, I don't know that I'm going to win here because he has such a great resume that it's hard to argue that he's a bad actor. I just that's how I feel. All right, fair yeah. enough. That, I mean, fair that, that, I, I I don't like and and you know. to say to say bad, it's not fair to say bad because the guy clearly can act. I just don't think he's. I, I think that his roles have made him what he is as opposed to his skills. I think he's a good actor. He's not Al Pacino. I mean, he is Al Pacino. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I <laughs> totally right. disagree. Totally disagree, but I know yes, what you mean. As do I. A couple of other ones that I thought were fun, and thank you. It is my 19th wedding anniversary. Thank you, Lenny. Um, is uh, Some people were very specific. Leitner's last shot at the Duke-Kentucky game. I wouldn't want to be there because I was pulling for Kentucky. As was clearly. I. Uh, Thurman Munson I thought was fun yep. as well. The great Thurman Munson. Shoeless Joe Jackson. Two horses, Mark. Secretary, the great secretariat and ruffian, the Philly who sadly broke her leg in a in a in a stakes race against. Uh, I, I can't remember what the other horse was. and I should. I apologize. Uh, my friend Carmen, who who uh, who put that up. But there was a, a, a made for TV race between ruffian, the Philly and then a male horse. And uh, she broke her leg and had to be destroyed. It was it was terrible. Um, Mike Tyson. I mean, he, that's really on my list. Tyson at his best. I would have loved the 30 to 35 seconds worth of boxing you got to see while yeah. watching him. Um, so a lot a lot of great ones. Andre the Giant. Also, I tell you what, I know, Mark, you probably going to scoff at this being the uh, West Coast, Northern California dandy that you are. But uh, would have been fun to see Andre Andre the Giant. Uh, and given, you know, the fact he's also in The Princess Bride. But no yeah. one, no one other than myself came up with this one guy. And I'm really surprised, Mark. You're just going to wait for me to say it. I thought you were going. I thought you were going to prod me. No, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'd like to prod you. I was wondering. Do you want me to give you? Do you want me to give you guesses? No, yeah. I. I, I want to make one guess first. Okay. That none. Of, nobody's ever heard of this person. Well, that's not true. Okay. Okay. Sorry. That's not is, even remotely true. Is this one of the four major North American sports? One of the four major North American sports. Wow. Not my favorite sport. So throw out college football. Okay. Uh Guy wow. retired at the peak of his career. Okay. So oh. was it Jim Brown? It was not. Barry was it Sanders? Barry Sanders? Uh, no. Hmm. It was a guy who plays for a team I don't like. And hmm. a team that's been, uh, a team that's fans have been complaining incessantly for the last few couple of months or so. Cowboys? Nope. Hmm. Yankees? Maybe for a six, five to six year span, the best at his craft of anyone ever, possibly. 
Are, are we talking? Okay, so I know who we're talking about. Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax. That's yeah. absolutely correct. I would have lived. There's that period of time between what is it, sixty two and sixty six, oh, that yeah. five year period, where he was certainly the best pitcher in baseball Unhittable. at that period. Of time. Unhittable, with, you could argue with Bob Gibson. You may have had the two. You may never have had two guys who were that dominant at one at one period of time, and just the way Koufax went about his business, from what I've seen. In film and interviews with Koufax, again, he retired in 1966 after having, if if not a sub-2 ERA, right in that era, because that period, he was like 1-5-4, 2-1-2, it was incredible as ERA, um, but he finally decided that he'd taken enough cortisone shots in his time that he just didn't think that would be good for him, and obviously paid off because he's in his 80s now, and he looks like he's in his 60s. Uh, but that's the guy. If I had to pick one, and it was he, Sammy Ball was there because as a Skins fan, and Ball maybe the first true downfield passer, great passer in the NFL. But I really would have loved to seen Koufax. Yeah, I, I would have too. And I think he retired really, John, in a way because surgical options were so risky. I think he wanted right. to pitch more. You know, if if there was Tommy John surgery, if there was the techno- medical technology we have now. He but instead he got cortisone shots. He Instead he got a bunch of cortisone right. shots, and he talked about how they make him sick to his stomach and stuff. So he just, right. you know, he was one of those guys, and we're seeing that more and more, particularly in the NFL with concussions and things, who just looked at it and said the risk-reward wasn't there. You're right. Would have been great if Koufax played now. He would have come back to play more. But uh, really, really lo- would have loved to have seen Sandy Koufax play. That's uh, that's really, really fun. There's no doubt about that. And he, um, you know, it's amazing. You mentioned Bill. You mentioned Bob Gibson as well. Well, Juan Marichal, and I know this because I'm a San Francisco Giants fan, 1965, John won 25 games and had a 2.12 ERA and did not win the Cy Young because <laughs> Koufax won it because his year was somehow even better than a 25-win pitcher with a 2.12 ERA. Just unbelievable, um, uh, unbelievable run between 62 and 66. We also had Gary Maddox, Ricky Williams, Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, uh, how about Muhammad Ali? Now, yeah, now I listened I'm to that. Didn't Ali get more yeah, uh, you know that that's uh, I, I that's a good one. That's a very good one. Yeah, that's that's got to be in my that's in towards the top for me as well to have seen him Ali in his prime. Nobody really got to see Ali in his prime because he was out of boxing for what really would have been his prime years. Yeah, but to see Ali. By the way, Sandy Koufax final season in 1966, he went 27 and nine with a 1.73 ERA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, I mean that's unbelievable. just unbelievable. That's unbelievable. just crazy, crazy good. But fun, fun trivia question, Mark Ferreira. All right. Fun poll question. I agree. Do we want to let everybody know what the poll question is now for the next show? We could do that, or we could uh, give the answer to the progressive trivia first, if you'd like. What would you like to do? Why don't we we, uh, save the new poll question for toward the end of the show? All right, the progressive trivia. Run through the clues one more time so everybody has another chance. All right, this guy played for 13 years, three different teams, threw for over 30,000 yards, over 100 interceptions, sacked over 400 times. Played in seven games, won two of them. Played with Adrian Peterson and Nick Foles. And also, oh, by the way, went to a school now in the Pac-12. Is a three-time Pro Bowler and coached by a former quarterback and a former middle linebacker. And the answer is, drumroll please. (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. Alex Smith. Yep. Alex Smith. Played for Utah, now in the Pac-12. Coached by a former quarterback, Harbaugh, former middle linebacker, middle, uh, Mike Singletary. Played with Adrian Peterson for when he was with Washington, John Pelkey. Nick Foles was a backup at KC, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, seven playoff games, only one two, has never gotten to a Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, 30,000 yards, uh, has almost 200 touchdowns. I mean, you know, an, and well, a long and- career. And what we were talking about earlier about being in the right system, when he finally got the right coaching, he had been essentially a borderline bust. And when he got the right coaching, um, he became a, a, a good to very good NFL quarterback. Yes. So So that's, that's a really good one. Lots of fun. All right, Johnny, we can, we can do the new poll question if you want, or we can promo uh, what's coming up tomorrow. Well, we uh, let's do the poll question, and we'll, all of this, of course, will go out onto our social media. But the poll question for next time, and this is just because I, I thought of this one because we got in our love to hate, we got an announcer, Joe Buck. And I know a lot of people hate Joe Buck, and I do not. 
but I, I get it. So we want to know who your favorite announcer is. Who is your favorite announcer? Who would you tune in to listen to no matter what the matchup or the time of year? You know, it's a it's a June 3rd game in Major League Baseball versus the Brewers. So, I mean, who who wants any part of that? But, hey, right. well, you know, maybe maybe we could. So I, I think that... We're Milwaukee. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just throwing out a team where, you know, you don't run to the TV to see the Brewers. Let's just be honest. Just, you just don't. You, I'm even sorry. Brewer fans don't. Even Brewer, no, fans don't. even Brewer players don't right. watch the game. They, they Especially Brewer fans don't. <laughs> even they're when they're good. good. They're, they're a pretty good team, actually. Yes, they are a very, very good team. But I throw that out for fun. But who's your favorite announcer? And now, Mark, I know you had that you thought, well, this might get kind of local. But that might be sort of fun if people grew up listening or watching someone. Uh uh, uh, we'd like to know who that is. So that is our poll question. Favorite announcer. All right. And now tomorrow, John Pelkey, a very special, a very special event is happening that uh, that we are hosting. You and I are hosting it. The After Further Review Draft Party. We're going to Zoom draft party for tomorrow for at least the first hour of the draft. Maybe a little more. It really depends on how everyone's feeling about it. I mean, I'll be watching the whole first round. I assume you will. As well, Mark, uh, but we would want people to join in. So if you wish to be invited to our Zoom draft party, you need to uh, send us an email at podcastafr at gmail.com. Again, that's podcastafr at gmail.com. Let us know that you want to be a part of it and give us your email and you'll get an invite to our Zoom draft party. We'll uh, we'll mix up a couple of adult beverages, pop open a beer, have some snacks, and watch um, a unique NFL draft. No doubt about it. It will be the only one of its kind that any one of us have seen, and the Zoom party should be a lot of fun. We've already gotten a few uh, emails sent to us, and we will send you all an invite fun. via Zoom if we get uh, those emails. PodcastAFR at gmail.com. Should be a lot of fun, Johnny. Absolutely. Our thanks to Fabian Washington and Derek Abbott for joining us for our draft show. We uh, look forward to hearing your answer to the poll question, and we hope we see you at the Zoom draft party. For Jeff Taylor, Mark Ferreira, I'm John Pelkey. This has been the draft special after further review.